Shalom to all. Today's daf is Chav Dalid. We are starting four lines from the top, the fourth word on the line. And today's daf is sponsored Lu'ilu Nishmas, Mars, Miriam, Sarah, Basra, Yaakov, Maisha, her Neshama should have an Aliyah. Now we had concluded right in the middle of the sugya, and we're going to have quite the lengthy introduction, so please pay attention. On Chav Gimlam and Aleph, Rameir told us that one may not use an animal as a sukkah wall, whereas Rabbi Yehuda says that you may. Abai explained that Rav Meir is Chai Shlomisa. He's concerned that the animal is going to die and we're going to be left without a wall. The Gemara then brought a Mishnah on Chav Gimlam and Bez, seemingly teaching that Rav Meir is not Chayish Lamisa. What's the case? Rameir holds that if a kain goes overseas, his wife, who's a Bas Yisrael, and therefore only allowed to eat Truma if she's still married to him, may continue to eat Truma and needn't be concerned that he died. Whereas if Yehuda holds that if a kain gives his wife a get that is to take effect an hour before he dies, then we assume that he's going to die in an hour, and therefore she's already considered divorced from now, and therefore is usher to eat Truma. So these two memories, the first being a Mishnah and the second being a Brisa, seem to be the exact opposite of what we learned. Rav Meir is not Chayish Lamisa, and Rav Yehuda is. A further support that Rav Meir is not that something's going to go wrong is the case of one that had a barrel of Tevel wine before Shabbos and did not have time to physically separate Truma and Meiser. Rav Meir allows him to verbally designate it and then physically remove it after Shabbos. This relies on Breira, as we're going to discuss in a couple minutes, and Rav Meir is not afraid that the barrel is going to break on Shabbos, spilling the wine, clearly showing that all that was drunk was Tevel. But Rabbi Huda is worried about this. So it seems that Rav Meir is not Chayish Lamisa. Why did Abai say that he is Chayish Lamisa? So the Gemara had answered, Epoch, let's switch it around. Really, Rav Meir is Chayish Lamisa, and the two cases of the Kehanim are to be switched. Rav Mayor holds that she isn't allowed to eat truma out of concern that he might die, and by that same token, a sukkah wall is not allowed to be an animal because it might die. But now the Gemara asks, Kashid Rameir Ad Rameir. We have a Kashid Rameir on himself. On one hand, Rameir holds that we are Chaj Lamisa, we're afraid this person's going to die. On the other hand, we're not afraid that the barrel's going to break. This seems to be contradictory. Are we concerned for something happening or not? So Armel Charv Mayor, Rameir would answer you, Misa Shkicha. It's common that a person might die, but it's not common that all of a sudden a barrel's going to spontaneously combust and now it's not going to be here anymore because after the Masalei Lashemer, we could give it over to the Shemir, we could give it over to someone to watch it and make sure that no one breaks it and we don't have to assume it's going to break. And now we ask Kashid Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda, we have a Kashid Rabbi Huda on himself. On one hand, Rabbi Huda is not Chayish Lamisa, but it seems to me that he is Chayish that the barrel is going to break. So the Gemara says, no, time of Rabbi Huda, it's not because he's afraid the barrel is going to break. He doesn't hold a Brera. So how is it that we employ Brera over here when he stipulated Erev Shabbos that two Lugan of wine here are Truma, but didn't actually remove them from the barrel until after Shabbos? The only way we could say that he didn't end up drinking that wine designated as Truma on Shabbos is by Brera. After Shabbos, when he physically removes two Lugan, we say, Hover, Hadavr, Mafreya, it's been retroactively determined that these two Lugan were always the Truma ones. But Rabbi Huda doesn't hold to that. It has nothing to do with the barrel breaking. But now the Gemara continues asking, Rabbi Huda is really not afraid of the barrel breaking. The end of that Brisa said, Amrulai the Rabbi Meir, they told Rabbi Meir, the they is Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Yasin, Rabbi Shemin. So we see the Rabbi Huda told Rabbi Meir, Don't you agree that perhaps this barrel is going to break on Shabbos? And then it turns out that this person, all the wine that he drank on Shabbos, turned out to be Tevel. Varmaluhu and Ramey responded, when it breaks, then I'm going to worry about it. But until then, I don't have to worry. So Michal, the Chayish Rabbi Huda, it seems to be that Rabbi Huda is worried. He is concerned that this barrel might break. So the Gemara says, no, Hasam Rabbi Huda, Huda Ka'amil Rameir. It was over there, Rabbi Huda was telling Rameir, Lady D, according to me, Leslie Brera, I don't hold a Brera, so therefore this entire case doesn't work. El Lididcha, but according to you, the Yesh Brera, you do hold a Brera. Still, we have an issue. Don't you agree that it might be that the barrel is going to break? And Amrulay, and that's why Rameir responded him, when it breaks, I'm going to worry about it. But Rabbi Huda himself is not afraid of the barrel breaking. But now the Gemara continues asking Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda is really not concerned that someone's going to die. Well, tonight we have a Mishnah, Rabbi Huda, he says, We're going to even prepare another wife for the Kayin Gadol on Yom Kippur. Shema Thomas Ishtai, perhaps his wife is going to die. And the only way he's able to do that on Yom Kippur is if he has a wife. So clearly we see that his wife might die. So the Gemara says, No. We treat Kapara, which is the Avod of Yom Kippur, very 
stringently, and therefore we're chayish for it, even though it's very far-fetched. However, in a standard case that's not dealing with kapara, we don't have to be chayish that someone's going to die. But now back to what started all this. Rameir had said you are not allowed to use a live animal as a sukkah wall, and there was machlekes between Abai and Rebzera. Why not? And here the Gemara speaks that out. Ban the Ma'ad Amr Shema Tomos. Whether according to the Ma'ad Amr, which is Abai, that says the reason why you're not allowed to use a live animal for sukkah walls because maybe it's going to die, it's going to collapse, and you're not going to have a wall. And Ban the Ma'ad Amr Shema Tevrach. According to the Ma'ad Amr, might run away. That was Rebzera. Midaraisa Mechitz Ma'al Yehi. Midaraisa really, it's a valid wall. Rabbanon Hu Degazuba and Rabbanon Rogaiser. Well, if so, Elameato Rab Meir Titma Mishem Gailo. According to Rab Meir, a live animal should become tummy because of Gailo. We had mentioned this previously. However, now over here we're talking about it again. Gailo is a cover of a coffin, and it's Metame when touched. So since Midaraisa, an animal is a valid wall, then how can we be lenient and say that it's not considered a Gailo and therefore isn't Metame someone that touches it? And the Gemara speaks this out. Alamatanan. Why is it that we have in a Mishnah? Rabbi Yehuda Metame Mishem Gailo. Rabbi Yehuda says a live animal is Metame Mishem Gailo if you use it as a cover for a coffin. And Rabbi Meir Matai, Rabbi Meir says that's tar. Midai Raisa, it is a valid mechitza, so therefore Midai Raisa should become Tomei. So the Gemara says, you're right. The reason why Rabbi Meir does not allow a sukkah wall as an animal is because any mechitza that stands by way of ruach, by way of air, that's not considered a valid mechitza. And over here, since the animal is breathing, what's keeping it alive is its breathing, is its ruach, that's not considered a valid mechitza. Any mechitza that's not made by man, any mechitza that's not considered a valid mechitza. Now, my benayo, what's the difference between these two opinions? The difference is, let's say he steadied his sukkah wall with a noitafuach, which means a blown-up skin. He had this wine skin or water skin, and he blew it up with air, and then he steadied his wall with that. According to the Ma'ad Amar, that a mechitza that's standing there just with ruach, that's not considered a valid mechitza, the reason why this mechitza is standing is because it's leaning against something that's full of air, so therefore it's not a valid mechitza. According to the Ma'ad that if it's not made by man, then it's not a valid mechitza. This is made by man, it was blown up by man, and therefore it's considered a valid mechitza. And we continue talking about what you are not allowed to use a live animal for. You're also not allowed to write a get for a woman on top of a live animal. My time What's his reasoning? It says in the Pasuk regarding writing a get, safer, you have to write it on parchment. I only know you're allowed to write it on parchment. How do I know to include that you're even allowed to write it on anything else, such as wood or on a leaf. Tom Lemer says, because of law, and you shall write it for her. Any which way you want to write it for her, you could write it on anything. So Im Kane asked the Gemara, Ma Tom Lemer safer. Why does the Pusik say safer that you have to write it on parchment if you're allowed to write it on something that's not parchment? Lemer Lacha to tell you, Ma safer Darush Ein by Ruach Chaim Veino Echol. Just like a safer parchment, it doesn't have life to it. It doesn't eat anything. Af Kol Darush Ein by Ruach Chaim Veino Echol. So to your latter writing, get on anything that doesn't have life to it and doesn't eat. However, you are not allowed to write it on an animal. Now Rabbanan. They say you are allowed to write a get on an animal. So what do they do with these psukim? Ikas of bis sefer. If it would have said in a sefer, keduka amrit, it would be just like what you said. Hashedich sev sefer. Since it just says v'kas of law sefer krisos, what does that teach us? Lesfiras dvarim ba'amahu da'asa. The pasuk is just trying to tell us that we have to write something down. It's some sort of formula which is going to be her get, and that's what the pasuk is telling us. Nothing more than that. But we continue asking shitas rabbanon rabbanon hi v'kas of my darshi bay. What do they darshan out of the word v'kas of? Ahumibayilhu. They need it for the following. B'ksiv miskareshes venim miskareshes b'kasev. The only way that she's divorced is through writing something and not through money. I would have thought, since we compare her leaving to her coming, meaning her being divorced to her being married, the same way that when she gets married, that could be with money, as we know Kiddushin is with money, so too that when she gets divorced, that could also be with money. That's why the Pasuk says, the only way to divorce her is by writing something down. How does Rabbi Yisai know this far? How does he know that you're not allowed to divorce her by giving her money and you have to give her a piece of paper. Me 
Sefer Krisas Nafkale. He learns it out of Sefer Krisas, Sefer Karsa Ve'endavracha Karsa. It's a Sefer. It's a piece of parchment or it's something written down which creates the severance between man and wife and not anything else. Ve'idach, what about the Rabbanon? That teaches that there has to be something that's a real severance in between him and her. Kedetanya, because we have this Brisa. Let's say he gives her a get and says, this is your get on condition that you do not ever again drink wine or go to your father's house. Ain't a Krisis. That's not considered a valid Krisis. That's not severing a bond between him and her. That's because if she ever does that, the get is null and void, and therefore there's still something connecting him and her forever. However, if he gives it to her and he says, you're not allowed to drink wine or go to your father's house for 30 days, that's valid because after 30 days, there's nothing in between him and her. He could have said the word kares, but it said krisos, so he learns it from there. They don't darshan this extra terminology of karis krisos. To them, it's not considered extra. I will continue with the Mishnah. Someone that makes a sukkah in between trees, and the trees are its walls, kashera, its kasher. Now, once again, anytime we say his sukkah, we're really referring to the schach, which means he put his schach in between trees. Let's say he built a frame, put his schach on the frame, and the trees themselves were the actual walls. So that's kasher. And the Gemara starts out with the Memra. Any wall, any partition, which is unable to withstand a normal standard wind, any mechitza, that's not a valid mechitza. Now we're going to ask a question on that from the Mishnah. Tanan, our Mishnah said, If he makes a sukkah in between trees, and the trees themselves are the walls, that's kasher. But the problem is, they blow back and forth in the wind, and that's not considered withstanding Ruach Metsuya. So clearly this memor from Rachel Ryakov is not true. So the Gemara says, not a problem. What are we talking about over here? But Kushin, he actually was using the trunk of the trees, and the trunk doesn't sway back and forth. The Gemara continues asking, What about the branches? Sometimes he's going to set up his sukkah in between trees, and the trees and the branches are going to be his walls, and the branches sway back and forth in the wind. So we say, no, he used sticks and branches, and he made them very strong. He wove them in between the branches of the trees, and therefore the tree does not sway back and forth in the wind. The Gemara asks, If so, what exactly is the Mishnah teaching us? What's the Chiddush? Of course you're allowed to have such a sukkah. There's no issue with it. The Gemara says, no, you would have thought we should make a that he's not allowed to use a sukkah because he might accidentally use the tree. And we know it's also to be mishtamish be'ilon on yontif. Kamashman, the chiddush is, even though the tree is his wall, we're not afraid he's going to end up using the tree on yontif. And we continue asking our Vachar Yaakov Tashma, we have a brayso ha'yisham ilon. Let's say there was a tree over there, a gather or a stone wall, a mechitza kanim, or a reed fence, nidan mishim diumid, that could be judged as diumid. So once again, turn to Zion Abeza on the top in Rashi, we have the picture of diumid over there. This is for Pasi Birois, as we know it's considered a mechitza for Shabbos purposes. And once again, it seems to be that it's okay for it to sway back and forth in the wind, because the first of these cases in the brayso is that if there's a tree over there, that could be considered diumid. So we see that it's not a problem for it to sway back and forth, clearly not like Ravach or Yaakov. The answer is no, Hasabna, he added Hutz of Adafna, different branches over there, he wove them in between, so now it's not going to sway back and forth. The Gemara continues asking Tashma, we have a Brysa, Ilana Mesechala Arts. Let's say we have a tree and it's forming a canopy over the ground. So we have this very tall tree and there's branches starting to come out of the tree above Tent Fachim, however, they droop all the way to the ground. If the bottom of the branches aren't three Tfachim above the ground and there's this entire space underneath the tree, that these branches form, metal and tachtov, you're allowed to carry in that entire space. It's considered like its own rishos because we have proper mechitzas over here. And this is obviously referring to Shabbos. And the Gemara asks the same question: Amai, why is he allowed to carry underneath it? Hakazavaasi, these branches are swaying back and forth. They're not considered a valid mechitza. So the Gemara once again answers: Hasam nami over there also the avid leibah hutzavadafna. He added hutzavadafna. He tied them down. He wove them in between. Now they're strong and they're not going to sway in the wind. The Gemara asks: If so, ihachi mitaltabakule, you should be allowed to carry within this entire area underneath the tree, even if it's very large. Why did Rav Huna Breda Yeshua say, you're not allowed to carry in the 
this entire space under the tree, on top, unless it's maximum the size of two sa'a. Now we know that if we have an area surrounded by mechitza, it's not for dira purposes. That's called shaloi hukaf ladira. Only if it's up until two beisa is one allowed to carry there. Anything larger than that is considered a carmelis, and one is limited to carrying within four amas. So if he added hutz of adafna to strengthen this tree, then it's considered hukaf ladira, and therefore he should be allowed to carry throughout the entire area and not be limited to beisa sayim. The Gemara says no, mishum to have a dira aver. This is because it's a dira, it's a dwelling area. Its main purpose is for the airspace, meaning for the outside of it. The whole thing is meant for him to be in it so that he could guard what's outside of it. And any deer that's like this, that's really meant for what's outside of it, you're not really meant to dwell inside of it. In Metalton by El you're only allowed to carry in it if it's up until two beisa, and it's not considered hukaf ladira. Tashma, we continue asking questions. Shavas Patel Shugavayasara. Let's say a person, he was Shavas. He spent Shavas on a mound, which means on like an elevated platform. It's a naturally elevated platform, and it's ten fachim tall in the air. It's anywhere from between four amas, ad beisosayim, all the way up until the size of two beisah. Also, v'chein benekaf, he's in a depression in the ground. It's some sort of crevice, some sort of hole inside the ground. Shu amak asara, it's ten tefachim deep. V'hume arba amas ad beisosayim, it's also anywhere between four amas wide, all the way up until two beisah. V'chein kamakatsura, let's say he's in the middle of a field, and he's in an area that already had the grain cut down. V'shibayas makifas haisah, however, he has stalks of grain surrounding him on all sides. Mahal cheskula v'chutzal alpayim ama, he's allowed to walk around this entire area of cut grain and walk out of it 2,000 amas. Afagav the cause of Asi, that's even though the grain is swaying back and forth. So we see, even though something sways back and forth in the wind, it's still considered like a valid mechitza, a question on Ravacha Bar The Gemara once again answers, Hasam Nami, Dafna. Over there, he had strengthened it with Hutz and Dafna, and therefore, it's not something that's going to sway back and forth in the wind, enough to consider it not a mechitza. So once again, we had many different questions on Ravacha Bar trying to disprove his statement of Kal Mechitza She'en Yichayla and Baruch Matsuya in Mechitza. However, we were unsuccessful. We're going to stop here for the day. Pick up with a brand new mission tomorrow. Everyone should have a wonderful day.